0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Strange Stories with the Seeker and the Skeptic. I am Jonathan. I am the resident skeptic.
1: And I'm Brittany. I'm the seeker.
0: And tonight we've got with us Jeffrey Vando. He is a husband, father, artist, a good friend of ours. Uh, he's had basically a lifetime worth of strange experiences. And it seems to be even a generational trend in his family. We're very excited to have him come talk with us about some of his experiences. How's it going, man?
2: Going well. How are you guys doing?
1: We are doing well. Awesome. I'm very excited to have you here. I'm just going to throw in here that we met Jeffrey through DDPY, which is how Jonathan and I met. So he is a DDPY warrior, just like we are. And for you are guys he- who don't know, I don't know if we ever talked about this in the, an episode, but... DDPY is DDP yoga so Diamond Dallas Pages yoga program. Um, and you know Jonathan and I got involved to lose weight. and Jeffrey, you I know you had like a lot of like shoulder problems and stuff like that. How's that going for you?
2: Uh, it's you know it's been a lot better and uh, I also do it to keep my blood sugar under control and so that that helps as well. Yep. So yeah, slowly but surely I got a lot more mobility than I used to have.
0: Yeah. That's great. Very nice.
1: Yeah. So we've enjoyed getting to know Jeffrey through that avenue. Um, but it seems like we kinda all three of us have some things and viewpoints and interests in common. So we've we've connected over the internet, but this is our first time actually speaking yes like physically speaking <laughs> yeah not, not just messaging or internet posts so really excited to have this conversation today
2: me too i love telling ghost stories
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about like your religious slash uh spiritual upbringing so
2: i was i was raised catholic Um uh, my dad was catholic uh, my mom was protestant and um she converted Catholicism. I'm more or less a lapsed Catholic. I kind of consider myself culturally Catholic. I still walk around with my St Francis medallion most of the time around my neck, but uh not much of a churchgoer. Um, I've read the Bible a couple times. Um, so there's kind of I have this this belief system that's based in Catholicism, but um, I don't know that I really am a religious person anymore. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: If that makes any sense.
1: Absolutely. Certainly. Jonathan and I both understand that. I would be considered well, Jonathan just told me the other day that I would be considered a lapsed (laughs) Catholic. So we are in the same club.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm elapsed everything. So (laughs) kind of just across the board.
1: Yeah. What was it about, you know, Christianity that just kind of didn't really resonate with you?
2: You know, it started, it started for me, like from a really young age where I started questioning stories like, you know, just Adam and Eve and looking at the archaeological record that those two things don't line up. The earth is is not 5,000 years old. I couldn't buy into that. Uh, I couldn't buy into how how did Noah get all those animals on the ark and keep the lions from eating everybody? Um, so those kind of questions just snowball. And the more you poke holes in things, the more holes you find in in kind of uh, the literature and, and what's not adding up. Yeah. That
1: makes a lot of sense. So what would you say are your spiritual beliefs now
2: i i believe in an afterlife um i believe in kind of a creator i don't think the universe just came from nowhere Uh, um on my worst days i kind of think humanity is a god's ant farm from when he was a kid and he just forgot about us on a shelf uh maybe once in a while he walks by and rattles the <laughs> rattles the cage just to see what happens yeah, um, shakes it up <laughs> some days i think you know we're just a science experiment he, he's he's just out there watching to see what happens and then other days i don't i don't think he cares like he snapped the universe into into creation and it just is what it is
0: yeah, yeah that's that's a. Uh... You know, classically, that's known as the absentee watchmaker. It's uh basically a you know a, an artisan who's curated this thing, wound it up, set it in motion, and then went out for a drink or something. Right. Totally get get where you're coming from on that.
1: Um, in your answers to us, you mentioned that you were a skeptical believer. What does that mean?
2: I kind of i I believe there's. I believe in ghosts. I believe, uh, you know, your relatives can come visit you. Um, I've seen too many things to not. But I also kind of think that 90, 95, 99% of what is considered paranormal can probably be explained in the mundane. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that main remaining little percentage where I have to go, you know, there's something more going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's like you believe it can happen, but not all stories are paranormal. Sometimes, right? Logical explanation for it.
2: Sometimes the breeze opens the door, and it's not. Yeah. A ghost, right?
1: Yep.
0: So from from what you you've uh, you've said to us, you, you have a pretty extensive history with with ghosts and with unexplained phenomena. Uh, do you want to jump into to some of that? Like what what's uh, the the what's the most um, poignant ones for you
2: you know the the biggest one that I think about really has to do with my son and so I'll give you some some background to this um my mother passed away from cancer when I was 18 years old uh my son wasn't born until I was 34. and um I know he was still two he was not quite three uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So he my dad remarried when I was when I was about 21. And my son always knew my stepmother as just Grammy. And he knew my mother-in-law as Buggy. And I never never talked about my mom. I didn't have any pictures of my mom. Um, at least nothing that was in a frame or out. Um and so I didn't want to confuse him, so I didn't talk about my mom. And he's, like I said, he was two years old just before his third birthday. And he comes out of his his bedroom. He had a nap, came out of the bedroom, and I was standing in the kitchen. And he said, "Uh, I want to see Grandma. And I went, okay, do you want to see Buggy? He said, no, I want to see Grandma. And I said, okay, do you want to go see Grammy? And he, like, you know, the two-year-old, he stomps his foot. He goes, no, I want to see grandma. And I said, buddy, your choices are buggy or grammy. Pick one. And he says, I want to see Grandma Kathy. And that was my mom's name. Wow. And I went, how do you know Grandma Kathy? And he said, she comes to play with me sometimes. hmm and, you know, I've got I've got the chills now, but I've I got the big chills then. And I went, OK. And I went up to the attic and I, I found a, an old photo album and I, I pulled it down and we sat down on the couch and I'm just quietly flipping through this photo album. And we get to pictures of my mom and he points right at her. And he says, Grandma Kathy, I want to go see Grandma Kathy. Wow. Yeah. And. um for years, he would see her off and on, and he would tell me that he she was coming to play with him. Uh, he's 18 now. He says he doesn't really see her very often anymore, but um, he is somebody that throughout his whole life, I mean, it's not just my mom. He saw my dad after he passed away. Um, my uh, She's my ex-wife now. His mother and I divorced. And um, I got a phone call from her at like four o'clock in the morning. She was furious. It was right after she had moved out. And he had come into her bedroom and told, woke her up and told her, Grandma Kathy is standing at the foot of your bed, and she is not happy with you right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, you know, she's furious with me. She thinks I put him up to this. And I'm Uh-oh. like, no, I had nothing to do with that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um,
2: so he would have been like seven years old when that one happened. Wow. Um, and going following him, um, I started seeing somebody. We moved in together. We started renting a house in uh, Manor on the Lake, Ohio. And right after we moved in together, he started telling me he doesn't like the man in his room. Now he had been at this point for five, six years telling me about seeing people and nobody had ever bothered him. But he kept telling me, I don't like the man in my room. He doesn't talk to me. He just stands in the corner and looks at me. And my first thought is, okay, I'm I'm now living with somebody that's not his mother. He's not happy about it. And then my current wife, my now wife, uh, her stepchild started, or her child, my stepchild started talking. They, they don't like the man in the room. I'm like, okay, they're just picking up on what Kayan's saying. So, you know, the older one is freaking out the younger one. It's nothing. And then my wife starts telling me she's seeing shadows and hearing footsteps. And and I'm like, I'm I'm not picking up on any of this. I get nothing when I'm in the house. So, you know, the kids are now freaking her out. That's all it is. And we moved in in October. It was cold and rainy in October. And in the spring, I'm in the yard and I'm doing the cleanup. And I see my neighbor over the fence. And this neighbor comes up and we're just chatting. And my neighbor says, so, have you seen the ghost yet? (laughs) And my neighbor tells me they knew the man who lived there. Um, His family, he had gotten divorced. His wife took his two kids and went back to Europe. And he slowly kind of declined into alcoholism and depression and finally hanged himself in the garage. Oh, wow. wow. And what was really interesting to me about that was, well, they said everybody in the neighborhood had seen him at one point or another through the windows. Um, But the only way to play in the backyard or to get into the backyard from inside the house was to go through the garage. And you could not pay my kids money to go into that garage, to go to the backyard. They just wouldn't do it unless we were going out with them and bringing them back in. They wouldn't go out there. They wouldn't step foot in that garage.
1: Yeah. Um, So you said that your son isn't really seeing stuff as much anymore. What about your stepchild?
2: That's the only uh, experience that they had ever okay. reported.
1: Yeah.
2: And for me in that house, um the only weird thing that I can really report is there was a grandfather clock that didn't work. And it was it had been there. It was old. I don't know why the people renting the house even still had it. It the only original piece of furniture in there. And you could move the clock and it would gong and, um the chime would go off. But it was very like it was a jarring sound, and there was one night at three o'clock in the morning where it just went off. Three very clear, distinct. The alarm went off. That that gong, 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 and I was one of those nights where I was in the house by myself for some reason, and um, that that was it. I'm like, that that wasn't a truck driving down the street. That wasn't. It was a very clear.
0: Yeah, it would have happened more than once if that had been the case. Right. For sure. That's wild.
1: It's interesting, you know, hearing stories. You know, we just heard it from you. We've heard it from other people about kids seeing things, you know, and then as they get older, they don't see as much, you know, and just, you know, wanted to pick your brain. Do you have any theories of like, why your son was seeing that kind of stuff when he was younger, but maybe not so much now.
2: I think there's a certain level of embarrassment we teach our kids about being different in that way. Because um, he's he's also a very intelligent kid. Mm-hmm. And he would also try to kind of hide his intelligence around some of his friends. Oh, okay. So I think I think that's where it starts is either we kind of lose touch with it. Maybe we don't need it as much. Maybe there's something going on where a lot of smaller children, are, you, you need that early guidance, that reassurance that there's more. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've heard that from other people as well as like, adults have a tendency to kind of shut that down you know and so if it's like the adults in my life are telling me you know not and I'm not saying that you did you told them like right. that that wasn't real or anything like that it doesn't sound like that at all but you know if there's this message either you know explicitly said or you know just more felt of this isn't something that we talk about this isn't real yeah I mean I think it could shut
0: or if there's one parent that's very uncomfortable with it, I think that, yeah. that, that can stop. You know, you just stop reporting it, you know. I mean I I know that I I saw some strange had some strange experiences when I was a kid and you know, my, my father was uh you know, he was a strict, you know, Baptist minister, only the Bible and that's the only non, you know, non physical thing that can happen. And he would get very upset when uh when when my brothers and I would have these you know, we'll talk about these things that happened to us. And we eventually just we just stopped talking to them about it. And slowly as time went on, we kind of also stopped experiencing things. So maybe that's you know, maybe that's a thing. Who knows?
1: You said that you've had a lot of your own personal experiences, um, especially working at the museum. Can you tell us any yeah. of those stories?
2: <laughs> I, I can tell you a couple of those stories. Um so they all happened to me when I was on Nightwatch. Uh, and I can tell you stories that, that happened to me in particular and kind of some of the legends around a little bit. Um, Twenty, I think 2013, 2014, uh, the museum was going through a big remodel uh, with a full reopening in 2016. And there was a series of galleries in there where I'm told that the even the construction crew didn't like being in there because their the batteries on their equipment would die their flashlights would go out uh they had all kinds of problems in in these three galleries and um i was doing night watch 2017 2018 probably something like that and um i'm rounding the corner and i can see into the room from from where i'm coming And I see a really tall, really thin, just black mass go from, it went from west to east and where it was going, I can see through a door and I can see through the next door and going where it was going. If it was a person, it would have been in the corner of the room. There was nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to be alone in there. It's you know three o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I go running in, and there was there was nobody. And first thing that I do is uh, get on the radio to make sure that nobody else was in my area. And I got confirmation that it was just me. And we went down to I ran down to watch video and you can see me reacting. So it's very clear that I'm reacting and seeing something. Um, But there's nothing. Um a second time, there's another set of galleries, and this is legend. So the truth is, the museum, the land that the museum was built on was donated by the Wade family. There's a weird legend that, that a little boy is buried somewhere on the grounds. I don't know why that legend exists. Um, but the story goes that there's another set of galleries where there's a ghost of a little boy. And me being a smartass was going through the galleries and just, hey, little boy, come out and play, come out and play. And, you know, I did it the first time, did it the second time. And at the time, the way it worked is we had keys on our belt that was attached to a long chain that hung, I would hold it in my hand, the other end of the key, and it hung down maybe mid-thigh or something. So I've got the key, it's attached to my belt, big loop. And I'm going through the galleries on the third time. And something grabs the bottom of the loop and rips the keys out of my hand. And my first thought, of course, is, oh, crap, I've just broken something priceless. Like I snagged something, walked too close to something. And I looked around and I was in the center of the room where there was nothing near me. It could not have snagged on anything, but those keys were ripped out of my hands.
1: Once you realized like, it couldn't have been on anything, how did you feel?
2: Um, I just kind of went, hey, little boy, thanks for coming out to play. That's all I need tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I left
1: the yeah, so you talk directly to it.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, um. Nothing, especially in that building, um, I never, I was never scared of anything. Uh, They have an old pipe organ in in the auditorium, and that's one of the areas you have to check out. There's a lot of dark, creepy areas that that I had to go into, and none of them ever bothered me. But I would go back up there and see shadows, and whatever it was that, that was up there, I did not feel welcome. Mm. Um, not threatening so much more as leave me alone. This is my spot. Um, there's another area of the building that's near restrooms um, where there are lots of reports of hearing voices, hearing conversations, seeing mists. And I was going and checking the restrooms again, three, four o'clock in the morning or whatever. And at the time, they didn't weren't automatic doors. And it was just manual doors in that area. And so it's like 100-year-old bronze door in a temperature and humidity-controlled environment where obviously there are no doors open, so there are no drafts. And I go in, and I do what I need to do, and I'm coming back around the corner by the way, what I need to do is patrolling, not, you know, <laughs> checking for leaves. <laughs> um, and uh, I come back around the corner and I see the door opening again on its own. And I see it close on its own. And I went, okay. So we went down and uh, I ran down and, and checked the cameras and and somewhere. On their drives, they still have, as far as I know, they still have the video saved, but it's very clear that the door opens all on its own. And so you see me walk in, you see the door open all on its own, and then you see me walk out, three three completely separate events. And it was weird because there was a lot of activity going on that was being reported at that time. And, and I even had situations where other watchmen would, would report and we, you know, I'm hearing voices, so we'd go down and check it out and, you know, nothing. Alone in the building.
0: How long has that museum been there? Is it been there for a while? Is it newer?
2: It's well, the the original building's over 100 years old at this point. It was it was opened I think in 1916. They started construction in 1913. And one of the the stories that I had heard was that some some people had died during original construction. And then in 2013, they did a, a giant remodel of the building. Um, so added three new wings and a giant atrium and, uh, you can't get to Cleveland to see what it looks like. Uh, watch Captain America winter soldier with shield headquarters.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's wild.
1: That is cool. Did not know that. Yeah. It definitely sounds like, I mean, from the stories that you're sharing, it's more than one spirit that's there like there's a legend of the little boy but it sounds like
2: there's a lot going on there there's there's a story that one of the paintings is haunted and um that there were all kinds of problems in the gallery when it was when it was hanging like leaks and electrical problems and then they took it out and those problems went away uh one of the stories is that they will often see the man in the portrait kind of walking around outside the portrait um I've never seen that I did have an experience where I was in my office and uh, a watchman came down in the middle of the night, gave me his keys and went, Nope, I am not doing this. <laughs> and, and oh, what, wow. And he was, whatever happened, he was terrified. Wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. No conversation. He was done.
1: He was just done. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. And yeah, I've, I've heard stories of like uh, in the, in the medieval armor, people have heard the horses um again i never experienced that
1: yeah
2: I'm... so how much truth there is i don't know yeah have well, they
1: ever I... let like investigators come in and no they don't no. want to be associated with ghosts in any way no
2: <laughs> no they probably won't be happy with me um but there is i i think i shared with you there was an article from 2016 that was in art art news forum um the museum was opening uh, a big uh, painting the modern, I think it was called Painting the Modern Garden, Monet to Matisse, Uh, I think that was what it was called. And uh, in the article, it's, you know, is Monet's ghost visiting the Cleveland Museum of Art? And the photograph was a photograph that was taken by one of the directors within the museum who was photographing the sign, the banner that's hanging and swears there was nobody standing there when he took the photograph. And when you look at it, there's a guy standing at the, at the rail and it sure does look like Monet.
1: Wow.
0: So yeah, you'd think they'd want to play that up. Like, I mean, these days that's, that's, that's a selling point, not a, not a detriment. You
2: know, you know, Yes, I agree, but the problem I think is that people uh, the the concern is people go in and try and do ghost hunting during the day, and when you're not there seeing the art, there's a certain carelessness that comes about that can cause damage
0: sure. That's a good point. I had not thought of that.
2: Monet is not painting anymore than Monets. We can't replace it
1: no. Well, those are precious for sure. Yeah. So I understand you've done some ghost hunting. Tell us about that.
2: I have. Um. So. It would have been, in I think. Around 97, a group of us went to a hotel in Granville, Ohio called the Buxton Inn. Uh, it's reported to be the most haunted hotel in Ohio. It's a little inn. Century old, built in the 1880s somethings, and there's all kinds of stories around it. And we had reserved the room that was supposed to be the most haunted room. There's probably a dozen of us. um The only things I can really tell you that came out of that is one of the stories is people have felt a cat jump into the bed. The the, the Colonel had a cat, and apparently the cat's still hanging around. Um. And I can tell you, I felt the cat, I felt what felt like a cat jumping into bed. Um then there's a, a door that leads out of the hotel room we were in. The the people who own it or whoever was working the front desk told us that um people will take pictures of that door and sometimes they get a mist or they see things. We set up a video camera on the door that had an autofocus on it. We didn't get anything on camera and it was sitting on a tripod, but the autofocus could not focus on that door. Mm. Now, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's trying to focus on something that we couldn't see that infrared was picking up, but it couldn't focus on the door and it was stationary. It's not like it was we were moving it or jostling it around. Um, so interesting, but. Don't know what to do with that. And then another time, a, a group of us went to uh Mansfield Penitentiary, in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, you may have seen it as Shawshank Prison and Shawshank Redemption.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
2: And they do uh they do daytime ghost hunts, they do overnight ghost hunts. Um so you can book through them. There's a whole website around it. And we did an overnight ghost hunt, and you know, the crew I was with, they brought somebody had a thermal camera. Another person brought one of those uh, electromagnetic field detectors and and somebody had uh, a recording device to record voices. And of course we had cameras. Um, one of the early things that happened was we were in uh, the big shower room, which is tiled walls. And where I was, they kept seeing a, a reflection on, on the infrared camera. And so we played with that for a little bit and found out that, no, it was really just the walls picking up heat reflections because Mm -hmm. it's Mm tile. So, okay, that's not anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got a couple individual voices on tape, but nothing that we could trace back to anything. Uh, The strangest one, and I have never seen the pictures, but uh, you can go into the chapel. And we were in the chapel and I was sitting in one of the pews and somebody was snapping pictures and near me in one of the pews, I'm told there's a white mist that appears and then kind of goes away over a series of photos. That's
1: pretty cool. But there was nothing
2: that we saw because we were in complete darkness.
1: Yeah. That's too bad you haven't seen those pictures or don't have a copy, uh, yeah. but th- that's
2: pretty cool. So that would have been around like 97, 98, with we did that.
0: So it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting. It seems seems like... Uh, there, the experiences you've had and, and that your family has had, kind of runs runs the range of experiences with things that seem to be interacting with you, and experiences with things that seem to be not interacting with anyone, and they're just existing. Do you, do you feel like you've more, you've had more of experience with one of those than the other, or is it is it really just a mixed bag? It's a
2: mixed. bag but if I had to say one over the other I would say more things interacting with us
1: mm-hmm. so there's some awareness there
2: yeah mm-hmm. um, you know, the house that I grew up in we believed was haunted Um. the only real creepy thing that happened and it was very Blair Witch before Blair Witch Um, you could hear a baby crying in the house. And you tell which room the baby was crying in, and you would go into that room, and then you would hear the baby crying from a different room. And so you you could spend some time chasing a crying baby that just never existed. Um, It was a lot of footsteps. Uh, The TV would turn itself on and off, and it was one of those older, you know, you could see the button pop in and out. It wasn't just like a remote. You could see pop.
1: Interesting.
2: Um, I remember sitting with my my uncle. It was just the two of us the one night. He was coming up to see my dad. and My dad wasn't home yet. And we were watching TV. And the, you could see the button go pop. And you could hear it. And the TV shut off. And he just looked at me. and goes, uh, this kind of stuff happened often around here. <laughs> yeah, sit, yeah. Give it a minute. He'll turn it back on. And yeah. About a minute later, TV came back on.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. It seems like a lot of the places that you've lived in have been haunted. Has it been every place or has it just been a a few?
2: It's just been a few. Um, The house I grew up in and the one my dad remarried, like we lived in two different houses as as a family, nothing there. Um, Going through most of my apartments, nothing. My first house, nothing. And the house that I rented uh there was stuff there and we rented a, a an apartment and you know nothing happened there and you know now I live in a condo that used to be my aunt's and she lets us know she's here from time to time <laughs>
1: how does she let you know she's there
2: um well one of the, she uh she had a any given time, like up to five cats and a dog. So she was always fostering cats and fostering animals. And, and the first thing that happened was, you know, she had, she had passed. We were cleaning out the condo and, um, I was in the kitchen. My wife is in the garage and my son was out by the bird feeder. And, I swear I kept seeing a, a big cat running around in the living room out of the corner of my eye. And I would look and there's no cat. And I go out into the garage and my wife goes, Hey, did you just see that big cat go behind those boxes? Okay. So we look behind the boxes, no cat. And no sooner do we get done looking behind the boxes. than my son comes around the corner. And he goes, dad, I thought we found um, homes for all of aunt Joe's cats. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, there's a cat in the bedroom window watching me fill the bird feeders. So we go in the bedroom and there's no cat. And so we'll hear, very specifically here, we call it just ghost cat. We've got two cats in the house, but we'll hear a third cat, uh, like jumping off the bed upstairs and I'll look and both of my cats are with me. And there are times when I can hear my neighbors in the condos next to us moving around. And so there's times when I go, okay, maybe it's, maybe the noises I'm hearing are them. There's other times when it's just, it is very definite. I can hear a cat and every once in a while I'll see a big cat that is not my chubby noisemaker next to me. (laughs) Um, But as far as my aunt making herself known, um, we've seen on, on more than one occasion, her rocking chair just kind of Rocking, uh, usually when we're talking about her, mm-hmm. um, and it, it has that kind of when it stops, it's a very definite stop, it's not like a breeze, it's like somebody that was rocking in a chair and decided to get up. Um, and that usually, like most of the time, the windows are closed when that kind of thing happens, and so yeah. I think she's still here. Mm-hmm. She checks out on us.
1: Sounds like it.
2: Yeah, and definitely. At least one of her cats is still here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just hanging out. Just, yeah, uh, you seem like you seem pretty intuitive. You know, you've talked about like feeling kind of energy. You know, you didn't have a bad feeling. You know, with some experiences. Do you feel like you're intuitive in other ways? Um,
2: Yes. (laughs) So I tend to have most of my experiences through dreams. Uh, I have premonitions through dreams. And um, sometimes relatives visit me in dreams. Uh, I can give you a couple concrete ones um i had a dream after my my dad passed away where i was introducing my dad to a friend of mine and her baby daughter she wasn't pregnant except she was and she didn't even know it yet oh wow and she ended up having a baby girl Mm -hmm. um there was another one where it's hard to describe where I have these dreams where people come to visit, but um, they don't feel like dreams. Yeah. And so I had a dream where a friend of my ex-wife, we were still together at the time, her mother came to visit. And... um I'm not going to get into the, like the personal details of that one, Yeah, yeah. but, um, it woke me up out of a dead sleep. And I was so freaked out that I was looking around the house because I had been having the conversation with this mother in the house. And, um, my wife was like, there's, there's nobody here. It was just a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I finally said, oh, so-and-so's mother says hi. And, and my wife stops. She's like, okay, now you got to give me details. And so I, I told her what the dream was about and what had happened. A short time later, we are going to this person's house where um, her sister, I think, graduated school and they were having a party for the sister. We're pulling up in the driveway and the curtains open and this face peers out at us. And apparently, like, all the color just drained out of my face. And my wife goes are are you okay what's wrong and i went you see her too right (laughs) and she's like yeah that's the sister that's so-and-so and And i went oh my god she's the spitting image of her mother and the sisters don't look anything like and my wife went yes she is um and it was so like that freaked me out Mm
1: mm-hmm Any theories why, why you have these dreams, where they're coming from? I
2: had a lot of experiences when I was a kid and not all of them were positive experiences. And so in my mind, I describe it as like a door in my head. And I've done my best to close the door and push, you know, push furniture in front of the door. Um, But sometimes things leak through and I still pick up on stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, the best description i ever heard was the movie stir of echoes where um a psychic in the movie and i hate saying that term especially in connection with me but the psychic in the movie is describing it as it's like being in a dark tunnel with a flashlight that has bad batteries in it Mm -hmm. my son has better batteries than i do Mm -hmm. Uh, my batteries are not all that great
1: Gotcha.
2: So that's, why, that's kind of
1: Yeah. Why do you hate the term psychic and especially in reference to you?
2: It feels a little woo woo. It makes me feel a little some way about it. And then, you know, people will automatically go, well, why haven't you won the lottery? And why haven't you, know, <laughs> wh- what color am I thinking of? And I'm just like, it, it doesn't work like that.
0: No. It's yeah, no, on, it's certainly not.
1: we'd Uh, all be millionaires if if it worked like that
2: (laughs) i have really lousy batteries and and the information that i do get is usually the most pointless random it's not like i'm getting you know lottery numbers or or, you know bad feelings about getting on a plane it's like
0: like jeopardy i'm
2: I'm gonna see a guy on a red bike in five seconds you know okay who cares
1: right (laughs) It's, it's really interesting to me, though, like, um, it sounds like during your waking hours, it's like there's a conscious, like, I'm trying to close that door. But while you're asleep, you don't have as much control over <laughs> what's happening, yeah. you know? And so it's like that door is more open. And I, I really do think that spirits, I mean, just like, you know, your wife's friend's mom, like, she found an avenue and you were the avenue to come through, you know? So it's like, it, it, that is interesting to me.
2: There, there have been more than one that haven't even just come through. They, they kicked the door open.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a
2: coworker who's, whose great aunt. The only way I could describe it, it was like a shotgun going off in my head in the middle of the night. She kicked the door in and had a message and I, I delivered it. And I was, I was able to accurately describe to my coworker, what this person looked like
1: mm-hmm.
2: um so you know but yeah why why me i don't know
0: yeah. what's interesting something that's interesting to me and and as as these episodes start to release you know people who follow this are going to to notice this trend is you know there's starting to become a motif here of people who are talking with us who uh, are not typically someone who's prone to belief in things who keep having these dreams that aren't really dreams that are more like visions of people who have passed and are able to say, you know, who are, who are experiencing things and able to, to to say things that they're not supposed to know anything about. Um, and it's interesting to me that it mostly is seeming, mostly seeming to be people who are kind of like us who are, are more likely to to be skeptical of a thing, uh, as opposed to people who are more likely to, you know, to immediately buy into something.
2: Um I, I can give you this one kind of going off of what you just said. I do have a friend who uh she's she's a Wiccan pagan and uh and she is a psychic. And there are times when she she had done a Reiki recharge on somebody and, you know, she's all exhausted and she's telling me all about it. And in my head, I'm just, and this is, this is early on in our relationship, my relationship, friendship with her. Um, and I'm just hearing in my head, it's BS, 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 yeah, right. Reiki recharge, sure, it drained you, right, whatever. And then me and my wife and her and somebody else and we're all kind of, walking around shopping together and we're at this one booth and and they're on one side of it and I'm on the other and she she looks at me and she kind of cocks her head to one side and then she comes up behind me and she's standing behind me and you know when you can feel someone behind you they're not touching you but they're really close and she's running her hand down my back without touching me and she gets to this muscle spasm that I have, this repeated muscle spasm. It's a knot. It comes back, and she just stops at that. And I can feel her hand right there. And she just whispers in my ear, "If you don't talk about this, it will never go away." I'm like, damn it! How do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> so she she keeps doing that to me. Uh, so she's one of the few. People that I know that would genuinely like probably call themselves a psychic. Mm-hmm. And like she keeps, she's right. Every time she says something, she's she's just hitting the nail on the head.
1: <laughs> how do you feel like your experiences? You've had a lot. I mean, we've only heard a handful of them, but um, how have they shaped your beliefs?
2: it's it's honestly one of the core reasons why i have the belief that there is something beyond this world uh when we die it's not the end there's something more and i find that very comforting mm-hmm. uh, but it's also one of the reasons why i don't necessarily buy into the old organized religion because this falls outside of that and at least for Christianity, there doesn't seem to be any real ex- attempt to explain it other than, you know, I hear people, well, that's the devil tricking you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when my mom comes to visit me, when my dad comes to visit me, when my aunt is here, I I can't, uh, I can't feel anything but comfort from that.
1: Yeah. There's no evil there. There's just love and connection and being exactly. able to spend some time with your loved ones who have passed on. Yeah. Yeah. I loved in your answers, that you said, you know, you believe in God, you believe in the afterlife, um, but you don't think that people understand really what either of those things are. Do you have any kind of your own personal beliefs or theories about like what is the
2: afterlife? What is God? Beyond the whole idea that God is love, I don't have any theories about what's there. Um for me personally, like I said, I wear a St. Francis medallion. Um I've read a little bit of Buddhist philosophy and I've said I've read the Bible, and I think Those three are my big three teachers. And I think if we took more from them as teachers and believed more in the teachings, trying to think of the best way to put this, if we did a little bit more of love thy neighbor as our core, rather than believing that you need to be bathed in the blood, we would be better off
1: i can get behind that and i'm with you um that's my belief system is that god is love you know and what exactly is that does that mean i mean that's part of my being the seeker is trying to understand that even further but like the core of me believes that that is what god is is this energy of love
2: and And yeah, and and I I go back to my original analogy about being, you know, an ant farm on on the shelf. You know, all these religions in the world, what, 3,000 or whatever religions in the world that have come and gone and some that are still here, we're all trying to wrap our head around something that we can't conceive, just like an ant trying to explain us shaking their ant farm.
1: Yep. I think you're right there but we're not going to stop trying to understand it and explain it I don't think I think it's just part of human nature is yeah let's make sense of this absolutely yeah really have enjoyed hearing your stories and just for the record I didn't know about like your dreams or premonitions I don't think that's anything we've ever talked about but I could just tell like you're just, you are intuitive, you know, don't, you don't have to label it as anything, <laughs> but the intuition's there for sure.
2: I, I call it good juju and bad juju most of the time. I just have to about things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nice, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I've, I've really had a good time talking and just picking your brain and, you know, getting to know you a little bit better in this realm, you know. <laughs>
2: nice to finally actually talk to you guys
1: yeah absolutely. yeah same
0: dude for sure thanks for talking with us
1: thank you all right bye see you, buddy. Thank you guys <laughs> bye. thank you so much for being here if you have a strange story you want to share with us email us at seekerandskeptic at gmail.com we look forward to talking to you soon